What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. This one will be reacting to Delaware and Bellarmine, played those the last few days. Um, and obviously, we got the big PK85 tournament coming up over Thanksgiving, so we'll kind of jump into that, review some of the potential matchups, what that could look like. Um, so Duke defeats Delaware 92-58 and then follows up on Monday by beating Bellarmine 74-57. to uh, and we'll talk a little bit about it. We'll kind of talk more this week about the themes and some of the trends that we saw. Both games had their similarities. Um, don't want to bury the lead too much, though. Probably the biggest takeaway has been Derek Whitehead plays his first game at Duke. So we're finally at kind of quote unquote full strength, or at least everyone's available. Um, again, Derek, you know, big time player, number two recruit, according to 247. So nice to get him back. Obviously, he's still got kind of a long ways to go. Um, and we'll talk about that here in just a second, but I wanted to go ahead and get into our player spotlights first, because it kind of seems that if we go th through the games, then there's not a whole lot left to say. Um, and so we'll, we'll each pick a guy from, from both games that kind of stood out to us. Um, not so much the, the MVP or the best player, but just someone that kind of, we thought, you know, maybe needed a little more recognition. So I'll go first. For me, it was Jacob Grandison this week. Um, really just impressed with how we how we responded from the Kansas game. Didn't play that much. Didn't play at all in the second half. Um, comes into this week and, and just really lights it up. So he goes 10-4-2. Not, nothing crazy against Delaware, but he's perfect from the four. Follows that up by being the second leading scorer against Bellarmine with 16. I think the big thing that stood out, though, is the three-point shot. So in two games, he's shooting 70%, 7 for 10 from 3. The bigger thing, though, maybe, is zero turnovers. So if you remember that Kansas game, that was a huge issue. Um, so anytime we have a guy that's coming off our bench that can shoot like that, not turn the ball over, and just really kind of be a plug-and-play guy for us, I've been really impressed with his screening um, super active running around off ball. And he's really got, he's not even a really a three and D player because he's got some skill. He's got some ability to, to really cut. Um, he's got some that little hook shot. Yeah. The little wilt, the little wilt shot, the little, uh, um, not quite the sky hook, more of the push. Right. Um, but he's also got some sneaky athleticism, you know, some of those like little dunks he gets, he's kind of bouncy. It looks easy for him to just to elevate and finish. I haven't really seen any in traffic, but um, so for me, it's Grandison, you know, he's a guy that, that really came in that I think we're lucky to have him. He really fits with any combination of guys that we play, doesn't seem to kind of ride waves, doesn't get too high, too low, bounce back from that Kansas game, um, accepts his role, you know, does a lot of good things for us. So for me, it's him highlighting him this week. Hopefully we can continue to get some of that. Um you know, I don't think we're going to get 16 points and, you know, four for seven from three or whatever every night. But if we could get something like that about every third, fourth game, I think that really can win you some games. So I'll go Grandison. Um, Raul, I think you were going to talk about Mark Mitchell this week. So let's go ahead and get into that. What'd you see from Mark? Um, what's he kind of doing from a consistency basis? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say it's not all positive. Um, but the offense has been a huge positive. Um, 
54, 50, 88 shooting splits on the year. I mean, you can't complain about that at all. He wasn't even known as a shooter, and he's not taking a high volume of three-pointers, but he's making the ones he does take. You know, and it's because he's really picking and choosing his spots. What I see is just a guy who knows what he's good at, and he sticks to that, mm-hmm. right? So he's only taking open corner threes because he's no, he knows he's not much of a shooter. And then the rest of his baskets are coming off of cuts, slashing, um, getting to the free throw line where he's automatic, which, you know, is really surprising given it's a stroke. But uh, yeah, so to kind of come back to the defense, I'm not too thrilled with what I've seen there. I mean, I don't know if it's a question of him playing out of position, possibly. Like maybe he'd be more effective at the four. I can't say for sure because maybe that would require even more rotations. But there's been some kind of mistakes, like uh, losing people on cuts and uh, back doors, particularly. Um, but offensively, I think we can say he's kind of had a phenomenal year above expectation so far. Yeah, for sure. And we talk about Grandison from the corner. Mitchell just lives in the left corner, just lives over there in the left corner. Um, it's a I'd great like to see him get a little bit more arc on a shot from his. And, and I think that's why the corner is so nice to him because it is a little bit shorter. But sure. uh, yeah, there, there's not a whole lot of arc on that. Um, but so far, I mean, the I mean it's going don't in. Lie. It's yeah. going in. And I yeah. think it's really hard to tell because it's such a line drive shot. But there's also like a little bit of touch there. Like yeah, it's, it's soft. It's, it's soft, soft to yeah. be such so which is like I don't even understand how you do that really, <laughs> but it's it kind of is. You know what I'm saying? Like it has like a yeah. little softness to it. Um even when they like don't don't drop or like they don't they don't make them, it's not like a hard clang, right? Like some of the reeks are like hard clangs, but this yeah. one's like a there's a softness to the line drive. I don't I don't know what he's doing out there, but uh it's working yeah, there, so far. There's so little margin for error, but his touch is so great that he's able yeah, to kind of overcome weird. that. Yeah, even that little free throw line jumper he had was really nice. You know, avoided the yeah. charge. He's got yeah. Filipowski and Lively both kind of sagging in, in the dunkers, and so he just oh, pulls bef- up free throw line. Before we move on, I wanted to point out kind of a classic Mitchell play, which is why I've loved watching him play. There's a play in the last game where he saves a ball in the corner there in like a super, super tight space, yep. and it's a turnaround get it right to, uh, maybe it was Blake's, I can't remember who it was, but then he gets it right back and buries the corner jumper. But that kind of hustle has really kind of endeared him to me. Yeah, I think he saves it to like Proctor or Roach. Right, it's Proctor. I think it's Proctor or Roach who yeah. then gives it to Blake who then just swings it right back to right, him. Exactly. Right, So Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, so another solid week for him. You know, nothing that stands out. I think he's just going to kind of be that Mr. Consistent for us, right? Mm-hmm. Like 12 to 10 points, 3 to 6 rebounds, 2 to 3 assists. He's just going to kind of be that guy. Well, um, you, brought, you brought up the rebounds. Um, I wanted to point out that they're probably a little bit deflated because of him playing at the 3 with two bigs. I mean, I think if you put him at the 4 full-time, he'd be getting 6 to 8 rebounds, but... You know, because I think people could look at his stat line and say, why does he only have three rebounds a game? But it's just a function of who he's playing with. Playing with two bigs. And like, obviously, we're one of the right. best rebounding teams in the country. So yeah. it's not like we need a whole lot there from him. Um, but, you know, maybe and, we'll and see. And you're getting guys like Proctor arms. sneaking in and getting yeah. 10 rebounds. Yeah, double double in the game. 18 we rebounds to. across these two games. So, yeah. I mean, like, if he's leaking down, um, obviously, Live was an incredible offensive rebounder. Flip is a monster on the board. So, you know, we got. 
we don't need to send everyone down there, I guess. I kind of mm-hmm. like Mitchell Leakin a little bit too. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, okay. So Shu, who you got for us? Um, I'm gonna go with the obvious. It's uh flip, flip, flip Bukowski. So Mr. Uh, Basketball. Yeah, man. Um Flip, you know, another rookie of the week, ACC rookie of the week. Uh, what he averaged like 18 and 11 over the week this last mm-hmm. week. And then was that, I guess, was the Kansas and uh, Delaware game at the Bellarmine game where he had 18 and eight again. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just wondering like where we would be really at this point without Flip. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Josh and I kind of had that talk where we had heard that things weren't going that well for him and, you know, fast forward it a couple of weeks later. And I think he's by far been our best player so far, uh, offensively and, and really defensively. Um, so shouts to flip, you know, he's been great on both sides. What were you going to say, Josh? I, I was going to say, I don't know where I heard it from. I listen to a lot of podcasts and follow a lot of media stuff. So I don't want to, um, plagiarize anyone, but somewhere they were talking about that, like early in the season that flip had gotten kicked out of practice from John from Shire. Right. And so like we heard all those scrimmage reports that he wasn't up to speed. The game was too fast for him. Defensively, he's not there getting kicked out of practice. The response though, big time. Yeah. Right? Like I mean, dude's yeah. been our best player by far. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but it's not just offensively <laughs> that he's been that. So um yeah, shouts to flip, man. You know, this was a guy coming in that was, you know, ranked in the one hundreds a couple months before their new rankings came out. He shoots up to top five. Um he looks really good, dude. And what I think I like more than the stats is the attitude. He's yeah. got some dog in him, yeah. man. Like he's got some MF or he's got a little bit of that kind of like Leitner swag going on. Um, I wonder if that's why he plays better almost in game than in practices. It's like you turn on the lights yep. and he just wants to kill you. Yeah. He even, I see, I see him almost every game. Like the official kind of has to be like, Hey man, like <laughs> throwing it back. <laughs> you know, this is Monday. It's a 20 point game. Let's chill. Like he was in a little tussle match against, I think it was Bellarmine where like the guy yeah. kind of landed on him on the floor and he had some, he had some words for him, you know, yeah. like he had some words. So I, I like that stuff as long as it's not demonstrative and he's not like out there, like attacking anyone. Right. Like I like the, the message, the toughness that it sends. Um, sure. So, shouts to him. All right, cool. So, we got Grandison, we got Mitchell, we got Flip this week. Um, let's talk. I don't want to jump in since, you know, I'm no disrespect to Delaware or Bellarmine, but I don't really think we need to go game by game. Let's talk about some themes, some trends, some from this week, some that we're just kind of tracking across the season here. Uh, obviously, the big one is the reacclimation. We continue to kind of do that with Lively. Whitehead his first two games. So I'm just going to toss this out a little bit. Um, let's start with Lively since he's, you know, he's, he's played a little bit more here. Um, so across both games, he's plus 11, box plus minus. And I wanted to point that out because I see a lot of stuff about, uh, who people may have thought that, that, that Lively was coming in. Um, he's never been a like post-up guy. He's never been a, a guy that can get you a bucket. I think we see the ranking and just project some sort of like Marvin Bagley onto him. Um, that's not who he is. Uh, and if you look at the advanced stats, he's not even, he's using like 10% of like possessions. Like he's, he doesn't mm-hmm. have a high usage and there's well, value to that though. Right. Like, even his high school stats weren't like outrageous, right? It was 14 no. points a game, 14 right. rebounds. That's nice. Four and right. a half blocks. But you know, for a number one player, most people automatically think in their head, oh, this guy averaged 
35 points in high school or whatever. And that's just not his game. Right. And and I think the two things that we haven't really seen from him yet that could like really boost his just raw numbers um, and what kind of appeals to like the quote unquote eye test. One is going to be doing a better job of finding him. Um, we've tried to force feed him a little bit. Our passing on those pick and rolls hasn't been that great really to him. We've thrown the ball behind him a few times. We've tried to kind of, um, we've thrown some lobs that just, you know, maybe Zion goes and gets some Weren't of those, close. you know, no, maybe Mason think. grabs one, yeah. but it's, it's not putting him in the best position. Now, to be fair, he's missed a few. He's missed one or two that it's like, dude, you, you probably should have finished that. Um, th- that's one thing. And then the other we haven't seen, I don't even know if he's attempted a three yet. And that's something that's in his bag. I mean, he's not going to be a volume guy, but I was expecting probably like two to two and a half, three point attempts a game. I don't know about, about y'all shooting. Jump in. Well, I'm glad you mentioned because in the game, uh, the Delaware game we were at, uh, I was watching him during warmups, um, draining, draining. Yeah. He hit six, seven, eight in a row. Uh, and and form looked good and they were, they were nice and soft bottom, you know, bottom of the net so i know he can definitely now game speed somebody coming at you different story right but the shot's there um but yeah i don't i don't think he's attempted any any shot at all outside the paint really other than dunks i I don't think he's had anything other than dunks yeah i'd like to see a little bit more and and i think some of it might be too is they're just trying to really take advantage of him as an offensive rebounder so we see him kind of like you know stay low a lot of times and he's got a lot of his points off of offensive rebounds um but I do think that we could create a little bit more space if we're able to get him out, um, able to get him kind of uh, a, a little bit more different kind of looks. But um, so for Lively, you know, I've kind of laid the foundation here. But Raul, anything you saw over this week as he continues to kind of get reacclimated? Obviously, he takes Ryan Young's spot. So now he's starting. I think we'll see a little bit more of his defensive impact uh, as he plays more minutes. Um, but Anything on either side of the ball for Lively this week from you, Ro? The passing. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to ask you guys, like, what other Duke center would you really compare him to in that regard? I was trying, going through the list of Duke centers in my mind and thinking about who's the best passer that we've had at that position. And he's making some passes that, I mean, I know it's very limited volume and it's against, you know, admittedly weak competition for the most part, except for Kansas. But he's making some passes like in that last game, that uh, kind of skip pass he makes to Proctor in the corner there for that three. Just pretty incredible. I can't even remember. I was thinking, um, you know, maybe Mason. Mason. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Mason can make a shot like that. He tended to leave his feet when he did it, though. Um, Yeah. Maybe Okafor. Um, those were the two that jumped into my mind as like really good uh, passers from the center position. But it's called Josh McRoberts, the center. Yeah, yeah. If you want to call, I think of him more as a power forward, but I guess he yeah. kind of played center at Duke. Um, yeah. So those would be the three, I think. But yeah, he has a chance if he, as he plays more minutes and if we involve him in the offense more to be the kind of one of the best passing centers we've ever had. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I, I don't want to say he's a better passer than those because I think the guys that you mentioned, maybe outside of Okafor, were able to do a little bit more um, kind of facing the basket where a lot right. of his is is kind of back to the basket stuff. Cool. But what I've been impressed by is the quickness of his yeah. reads. Like he got one on a break 
Um, and it was a fast break. And I think it was Blakes who pushed it right up to him. He immediately catches, sees two guys collapsing and just kicks it right back to Blakes for the open three. Um, and I think Blakes missed it, but Lively gets the rebound in the end more or he gets, you know, something out of it. Um, that's to me is super impressive when you're talking about a guy that's a top two player in his class that hasn't really scored a lot. That's got some pressure to come in and he's still committed to just getting the best shot, like playing the game the right way. I think there's something to be said for that too. Well, is he even the best passing center on the team? Cause Ryan Young's had some nice little dimes so far. Yeah. I've been impressed with our bigs in general passing the ball. Yeah. yeah but know, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Young's yeah. got some turnovers too, where he doesn't have the like the height to get some of those yeah. like across where they've been deflected. So, yeah. Young's know. Young's have been more like he's backing somebody down and Grandison cuts and he just kind of, you know, right. no no look flips it to him. That that dunk, uh Dariq's first points. Yeah, had a um, great had, little wrap around. Yeah, yeah, he come around uh, when Dariq cut on the baseline, and he he kind of just shoveled it over to him for a for an easy layup. So I mean, yep. Young's been great, but I, I agree. I mean, Lively is obviously top notch at it. Yeah, and you're just I think the points that we're trying to make is you're not going to see his impact really so much from an offensive standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Um, and even defensively, I don't think you're even going to see the raw numbers like that. You're not going to see the four blocks. You're not going to see maybe a ton, a ton of rebounds um, because we have flipped there. We have proctors, you know, leaking down to to get boards. I think we're really going to have to, and I'm going to, as we kind of keep trending, um, I'm going to try to get some like advanced numbers on him just to really, it's, even then it's hard because defensive Mm -hmm. metrics just aren't good and they're, right. They're nowhere near offensive metrics. It's really hard to gauge that. Um, but because I think you the, can still look at various lineups and see, okay, right. are the lineups involving him doing significantly better than the lineups involving Young or the lineups with just Filipowski? Right. And we're starting to see a small sample, but we're starting to see that flip lively front court really take mm, off yeah. a little bit. Um, and so hopefully that'll, that'll continue with lively. But I, I want to come back to something you said though. I really appreciate that he does not force anything or look for his own offense if it's not there. Yep. There's so many, there's been so many possessions where he's caught the ball in the post. And just from instinct and knowing he's the number one recruit, I've expected, you know, some awkward post up that led nowhere. And instead, he makes the right kick out pass or the right, you know, pass to the cutter or whatever the read is. It just feels like he's doing the right thing on a consistent basis, right? which Whereas, for the number one re- recruit is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if there's any knock on flip, it might be, yeah, he could use a little bit more of that, like awareness in terms of like, Hey, this really mm-hmm. isn't a good shot, right? You're really kind of forcing it. I think we're, we're kind of feeding flip to do that right now. Um, but I well, think some, like, yeah, some, like somebody said, almost needs to step up and do that in a somebody's way. Somebody's got to take shots. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Mitchell seems to have the same mentality as lively. He's a little more aggressive, but he's not going to take a shot that's not he's not going to create something in the same way right that uh you know Filipowski clearly is yep yep i agree with that um well i guess we'll kind of get to some of the bad i guess it's not too bad considering that he's missed about two and a half months um comes in and gets his first two games didn't play a ton um you know, obviously he didn't really look great. The eye test didn't look great. You know, he's almost minus 45, box plus minus across both games. Not good. You know, especially he was like in minus games 30. we won by a lot. 
Right, right. Um, the first game against Delaware, it was pretty obvious that we were force-feeding him. We just really trying to get him shots, really trying to just let him get some shots up. Um, I think what's kind of concerning for me, I expect the athleticism to kind of take a little bit longer to get there. I expect the conditioning to take a little bit longer. I expect he's going to take a little bit to get up to speed in terms of the offensive, where to be, defensive, where to be. But his shot has this kind of hitch in it that I'm not really remembering. Um, I don't know if it's a distance thing. I don't know if it's just trying to kind of get dialed in. Um, that part's a little bit concerning to me because the shot profile looked really good um, coming out of high school. And, you know, maybe he gets there, maybe not. But I, I keep also hearing people referencing him as 6'8", 6'7", 6'8". He's not that. Um, I think 6'5 is probably generous probably with him. Maybe 6'6". Six, six. He doesn't look nowhere near 6'8 to me. So maybe there is something with with the distance, you know, adjusting to the college three-point line. Um, anything that stood out that y'all take away from this since you all go to you first from his first two games or just your first time seeing him since we were we were there Friday? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit on it. The, the first game, it felt like he was he was pressing them a little bit, you know, offensively. Um, those shots, I think they were, and to be expected, just a little too amped up. Some of them were kind of long, long and hard. Um, and some, I, I thought he settled for for long shots instead of maybe trying to dribble around and, and get by his guy and get to the basket and get something easier, get fouled. Uh, has he shot a free throw yet? I don't think he shot a free throw yet. So, maybe not. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more, like, just, I know he's a three-level scorer, but let's start from closer to the basket and then work our way out, you know, as we get more uh, comfortable being out on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And I think he had two or three layups. He had a nice cut. He had the one in transition. But I don't think that he's actively, like, tried to get to the rim with the ball. And yeah. so that's probably the next step. We saw AJ never really get there. Hopefully that's not going to be the same with Dariq. A little bit different. AJ kind of had multiple injuries that kind of had piled up on him. Um, hopefully we can get him a little bit more aggressive. Raul, anything that stood out from you that you took away? Obviously a small sample. He didn't play very great. Where do you see him, I guess, kind of trending going forward? I think we got to find a way to get him out and transition more. When I watched him in high school, to me, that was where he excelled the most. He was on a dominant defensive team. They jumped passing lanes really well. And even when they didn't get a turnover, they just ran a lot. And he's he can be really, really fast in transition. Great scorer in the open court. Um, not just attacking the rim, but also as a kind of trailer um, hitting threes. So I'd like to, I don't know what the solution there is. Maybe just when he has a rebound, if he has permission to just get out and go or something like that, that mm -hmm. might be a solution. Um, I know one thing that ain't it is those uh, 20 footers, <laughs> yeah. those two dribbles, you know, just inside the three point line. I know he made two in his first game, but to me, that's not long term viable offense. Not unless you're like DeMar DeRozan, right? Like right, exactly. Knocking those down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seth I mean, Curry, I accepted it at Duke, you know, because he'd, uh, sure. you know, sidestep his defender, step in one step and get a really clean look that way. But it's not like Dariq's looks were any cleaner. Mm -hmm. It was just dribbling back and forth and then stepping one step forward and then taking the shot that was still contested. Right. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's keep that in your bag, right? Like five yeah. seconds on the shot clock. We need a bucket like, you know, late in the game. That can be a skill to have. But he's it's almost and I think that goes back to him not really being able to get to the rim or not really mm, trying yeah. it to put the ball on the floor a whole lot. He doesn't really seem to have anything to do yet. Right. And so it's yeah. like if, if he's not going to go to the rim, he's not going to take the three. It's like a two dribble pull up, which is just. You know, I mean, there's a space for that, but it's the worst shot in basketball for a reason, <laughs> you know, and obviously we don't really want to take a ton of those. No one else on the team is really taking mm-hmm. those shots. So that's going to be something that the coaches and, and himself and it'd are going to have to It'd be one thing if he was taking it from 12 feet away, but there's sure. a big difference between that and 20 feet. Sure. Right. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to have to charge into every time. Right. Like we mentioned that Mitchell yeah. kind of curl into the baseline, recognizing the space. You just take the shot at the free throw line if it's there. Um, you know, kind of need Roche to do a little bit more of that, too, probably. But we'll talk about that here in a second. I mean, I love it when Proctor does that when he comes off a screen and just. Yeah, but Proctor gets a lot of set, like a, yeah, lot, of a lot of separation with that yeah. little yeah. you know, in out dribble where he just gets, I mean, basically wide open. He hasn't made or at least didn't start out making them. He has came on he's lately. Had a few, but, yeah, but yeah. he still hasn't shot a great percentage on it in their open shots. So yeah. it's, um, it's a tough shot, you know, but um, all right. So some other themes and kind of trends, we saw the defense slip a little bit this week. You might, you can look at the box score and say, well, you know, um, neither one of those teams scored 60, but in terms of pacing, in terms of possessions, in terms of some of the shot profile, some of it is just our defensive, uh, our three-point defense kind of regressing to the mean a little bit, which is not really something that you can control. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, I think the one good sign, though, is the improvement offensively, primarily the improvement from the shooting perspective. So we're above 40% from three in both of these games. We would have been well above 40%. I think against Bellarmine at one point we were... 13 of 25 or 13 of 26, we finished 14 of 35, right? So we kind mm, of yeah. fizzled pretty hard there at the end. Ironically, that's when we went on a run to to kind of seal the game, which is kind of weird. Um, but also from the free throw line, so we're 28 of 32 in these two games from the line. So we put those two things together. I'll toss that out to you all. That's been an area. The free throw line has kind of been up and down, but I think for the most part, it's consistently been kind of a strength for us. Three point has not been. That's kind of really, we haven't really shot a whole lot um, from three, but what will that do for us going forward? Do you see that being something that's going to consistently stay the same? Are these outlier games? Well, I'll go to you first this time. Um, What's the shooting going to look like going forward? And what, you know, how much of this, I guess, do you take with a grain of salt? And and how much of it do you think has really kind of been an emphasis in practice? I think the truth is somewhere in the middle between what we were doing to open the year and what we're doing now. Um, you know, you pointed out in your Grandison spotlight, he's hit what seven of his last 10 threes. Right. So if he's one of our highest volume three point shooters, that alone is going to do it. Um, I believe Filipowski made his first two threes to open that, uh, Bellarmine game there, mm-hmm. you know, and he's been a little bit streaky and not necessarily the best shooter. Um, Proctor made a couple too, and he's also been streaky. So, I think it'll settle more in that kind of 36% range, especially if Whitehead can find a stroke again. Um, but yeah, I don't see us as this elite shooting team, but I think whatever we were at before, which is like 25% or something terrible, was not realistic either. Yeah. Shoot anything on your end in terms of the shooting dynamics? 
I mean, you know, just going back and we've said it before uh, from John directly at media day, like we're going to be a perimeter oriented team. And I took that as like, we're not just going to be pounding the ball in the paint offensively. We're going to, you know, work it around the perimeter. We have uh, not necessarily like snipers out there. I don't think anybody's technically a sniper. We have just good shooters and even guys like Blake's who's, you know, drastically improved his shooting uh stroke over the year you know can step out and knock them down now mitchell we've talked about you know it doesn't look great but he has hit a decent number of them especially in that that little left corner so um i see like raul said kind of somewhere more in the middle i think we i won't say we didn't fall in love with uh or settle for threes in the bellarmine game uh even though like you pointed out josh we kind of fizzled out there at the end but we were getting good solid open they were looks, great the, looks yeah. the entire night so yeah. um you take those and then especially with as well as we've been offensive rebounding you know instead of turning it over trying to throw it in the paint to to lively or to flip just put a wide open three up there and let them go get the rebound yeah for sure and um, same thing when we get the offensive rebound just kick it back out to a shooter yeah, you know. we've done a good job of that for sure. Lively particularly does a great job at, at kicking back out. Um, found Roach in that that Bellarmine game, and I think he had another one for Proctor or Blakes or someone that he was able to kick out to. Um, I think one thing that's kept our percentage a little bit higher lately is we really have guys who are only taking open threes. Uh, you mentioned Mitchell, Blakes as well. Those are guys that Proctor as well, honestly – they're not taking a three-pointer unless there's a huge amount of separation between them and their defender. Yeah. And, you know, to complement that is the rebounding, right? You kind of hit on it a little Mm -hmm. bit. I mean, now we're up to number two in the country in offensive rebounding. So if we're going to rebound 46% of our misses, then I think we can afford to fire away a little bit, especially if they're open shots, you know? So hopefully that continues to be a trend. Um, The next thing I want to talk about, though, is... Getting again, this is kind of keep coming up for me. And it's not so much the team, it's just the dynamics, the 2017 vibes here a little bit. Um, so 2017, a lot of injuries, particularly to Tatum and Giles. They're trying to get reintegrated around this time. Meanwhile, Luke Kennard is just setting the world on fire and he's making his case for ACC player of the year. There's a lot of similarities here as Filipowski kind of jumping into the Kennard role as we try to get Whitehead and lively kind of back up to speed. My question for you all, um, a little bit kind of predictive, a little bit just kind of your personal taste here. Do you look to do the reintegration where kind of like we talked about in the, you know, early preseason where there's not really an alpha, everyone just kind of the distribution of wealth is there. Um, or do you look at this and say, maybe I have something and flip, he's up to about 30% usage now, which is trending towards that kind of alpha level. Do you go all in with that? And do you build everything around flip? Or do you try to bring these other guys in and keep this sort of um, socialism offense kind of going here and keep everyone happy? Shoot, I'll go to you first this time. What are you seeing here? Is is it time to make flip the alpha or is it like, hey, okay, let's let's keep everyone involved here? I mean, personally, my my thing would be to to make everybody involved. I think it's harder to stop teams when when more guys are um looking to put up numbers and you can't just key on one guy and win the game, right? Like that that's the way I look at it, but I don't want flip to um 
to lose any of his edge, which I don't think is going to happen either way. Um, so I, I would, and I also look at it like that 17 comparison, like Tatum has been an alpha his whole life. Like, right. And I'm sure flip on his teams has been, but like you pointed out earlier, this guy's rise in the rankings was meteoric. Right. So he hasn't been like looked at his entire career as like that guy. And now he's kind of is being looked at like that guy because he's kind of showing it off in the game. So I don't know. I think it, I think we we stick to the game plan of everybody just kind of being on that same little level. And if one or two guys pulls ahead slightly, then that's better for us in the long run too. Sure. Yeah, I think in this analogy, Whitehead could almost be the Tatum. Um, that's what I was going with. I yeah. was saying Flip okay. being Canard, kind of the I guy gotcha. that we didn't really expect to be like an alpha that okay. became the alpha while we're trying mm-hmm. to get our alpha in, which Whitehead is kind of coming into the year was, I think, our leading score for most of us. Maybe Roach, but... Sure. Okay. Right. So, and it, ha- it, it presents the same challenges because we've seen Whitehead be a little bit of a ball stopper already, and that was kind of a problem reintegrating Tatum. I'll say that the where the comparison breaks down is the 2017 team had enormous hype and pressure upon them. This team really has no pressure. True. Yeah. I mean, as long as they make the tournament, I think most people would consider that a successful season for John's first season. Uh, whereas the 2017 team, it was like, oh, they return all these upperclassmen. They have the number one class. They have an incredibly deep bench. And just never managed to live up to that. It was almost a question of it wasn't egalitarian in the same way. It was actually the opposite. It was almost too many people looking for their own, mm. too many mouths to feed. Yep. Yeah. It's like that team was so hyped that some fans went ahead and bought final four tickets. Oh yeah. Some you know, idiots. Fans, yeah. Idiots. <laughs> idiots. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we won't talk about that. The, the you haven't bought your final four tickets was. this year. I've not bought Final Four tickets this okay. year. I keep getting the emails, but I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, no, no way it's happening. Um, a flip and, will carry us there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the reason I ask it is because I'm, I'm watching it and I'm thinking and it's hard to do this. I'm not comparing K to John, um, but in that regard, that's what K's looking for, right? Like, I think he would see that guy like flip and be like, okay, right. I found my team, right? Like, this is going to be my guy. Um, everything's going to kind of operate around him. That's how K defined roles. You know, he found his best player. He found the guy that he was going to run things through. And then everyone else kind of fell in with that. John seems to really kind of like this egalitarian approach, spread the ball around. You know, this might be your night. This might be someone else's. So I think as long as the philosophy of that is there at the core, and which has probably been there all summer for these guys, it's probably not going to be the same sort of issue. Um but I think it will be interesting to see going forward of how that kind of unf- unfolds and, and what that distribution looks like. Well, one thing that I wanted to say, you know, Derek, through his high school career, played with a lot of really great players, right? Yeah, so I don't think bird, it's, yeah. yeah, so I don't think Insanely it's a loaded team. Yeah. I don't think it's going to, um, you know, do anything mentally to him if he's not yeah. technically the alpha on the team, right? Like it's not going to making regress into a negative space, essentially. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and we got nine guys playing double-figure minutes right now. So I think that as long as that continues, it's a great way to keep everyone involved. Um, so hopefully that'll kind of be a, a strength by default there. 
the last I, kind I'd of, like to go ahead. If we do kind of lean into Filipowski, I'd like it to not just be leaning into sort of Filipowski, we give you the ball, we stand here and watch you create something. Right. I, I would like to see something like we lean into a Proctor and Filipowski pick and pop, a Proctor and Filipowski pick and roll, something like that, where we're really leaning into some sort of certain play we can fall back on or certain combination of a couple players who work really well together. Yeah, and that's a great point. And I was listening to Locked On um, uh, with JJ and those guys today, and they were talking about that. Of it's really nice that we have so many guys that can initiate and that can start the offense. Um, but it would kind of be nice to see a little bit more of like hierarchy or order in terms of. I think they were specifically referencing Proctor of like kind of getting him more into that initiation, that creation role, um, a little bit more up top. So maybe maybe we do see a little bit of that, which. You know, it's kind of a, a decent segue, I guess, into my last point here. Um, I don't want to put too much pressure or act like we're kind of bagging on him constantly. I think the expectation is going to be higher for him because he's a three-year guy. So uh, Jeremy Roach, um, not a great, great week here. You know, he carries a negative box plus minus in both games. Shooting numbers are kind of down. Um Two point, you know, his field goal percentage, especially two point field goal percentage, has always been kind of bad at Duke. Uh, was hoping to see a little bit more improvement of that this year, but right now he's shooting from the field as good as he is from three. So it's 39, 39, 71 shooting splits. Um, any concern from you all about Roach? Anything that you would kind of like to see kind of different, or is this just going to kind of be the role that he's going to play this year? Uh, Roll, I'll go to you first this time. Are, are you content with where things are at? I know we're winning. It's early in the year. Um, or do you see anything where it's like, okay, we may, we might need a little bit of a different look here, or we might need a little bit more from him. What are you kind of taking away? Well, first of all, I'd say he played a much better second game than first game. So against Bellarmine, I thought he was a lot better. I mean, he's four of 10, so, you know, not amazing shooting, but two of four from three. Um, The big thing is five assists to one turnover. Um, I thought he was better at picking his spots. And what I really liked that I saw there was, I think the thing that I envisioned most for him in our offense is, him is the secondary creator, a guy who catches the ball with the defender coming at him, can either fire the three or attack the closeout. Because yeah. probably his best skill is getting into the lane. I mean, he's really fast. He's got that fast first step. He's kind of sneaky. Um, so if he can attack more advantage situations, then the def- defense will be scrambling and he'll get layups. And we saw that a couple times against Bellarmine. So I think we need to shift him more to that and have Proctor be the initiator kind of in that high ball screen there. And Roach maybe standing on one of the wings waiting to catch the ball if the initial action doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah I like that too. Shoot. You kind of think of like the Shire and Smith when they kind of flop yeah, yeah. roles kind of thing. Like maybe you're better as a, a not a two, but you know, looking for 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 your offense more than setting everybody else up. That's a great comparison. Um yeah. I want to give him a shout out for trying to trying to just uh, absolutely annihilate a hammer stuff. dude. That oh, was I on your that, yeah. Yeah. That you that was on your end, right? 
Josh. Yeah, that was yeah, that was right in front of me. Um, and yeah. it looked like he was going to get it too, man. It looked like it was close. It looked well, like from from our angle, Kelly and I, I mean, holy, I th- I thought he looked like he jumped over the backboard. That's how bad that was. Good. Yeah, he had a couple of really nice athletic plays. He had that one rebound putback. I think it was in the first game. Yeah, um, yeah. Just came down with that rebound in traffic, put it right back up. That was yep. impressive strength. And then he had one in the second game where I don't. It was kind of a scramble possession. He catches the ball maybe ten feet out from the basket and just launches himself and does a little finger roll. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah, surprised yeah. at how high he got on that one. You guys notice he he lets out the Josh Hairston yell when he's in the paint too. You hear yeah. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not every the time. boozer. Not the boozer. Nah, not every time. Yeah, yeah not the boozer. Not quite the booze level. Um, <laughs> I think for me, though, and we've talked a lot about the offensive stuff, I think I'm fine with his offense really kind of being up and down. I'm fine mm-hmm. with the production on that end. The one thing that I've seen that I, I, I'm not super high on is the defense, and he's gotten a lot of praise on the defensive end. I think at the initial point of attack, he's fine. Um, it's really just the ball screen stuff. That, yeah, fighting through. Yeah. It's, it's, I was watching it the other night and there was like a six minute segment where it's like he's like the only guy not really like fighting through the screen. And it's not that he's just giving up on it, but he's not offering a whole lot of resistance. He's kind of allowing himself to easily be screened off, which if defense is going to kind of be our calling card and that's our captain and our three year guy, that's the kind of guy that I don't even almost would rather see you pick up a foul or two sometimes just coming through the screen than just always allowing yourself to get shut out. Um, do you think it's a broad part of play as much as he plays? Like he's been, cause he's I probably, so. he's, he's going to get the, the bulk of minutes. Yeah. Um, he's also been, you know, playing for K, which means you're going to play a ton of minutes, you know, and maybe the emphasis is a little bit different on that end. Also, but, I wonder how much of it is just kind of size and body type. Cause you definitely see guards of that type struggle with navigating screens often. Um, and he's kind of thick too. Uh, you notice Proctor can get around screens cause he's very like thin and slithery and Roach is just kind of, he's small, but then you also kind of add his like width and maybe that yeah. makes it a little more challenging for him. I don't know. I'm just theorizing, yeah. but. Yeah. And maybe that is it. And if that's the case, then maybe we need to just start switching to saying, okay, well, Roach, you're going to go under, or we're going right. to just switch on some of these because just allowing yourself to get walled is putting mm, us in some yeah. really tough spots. Um, if he is going to go under, we have to have game plans that kind of make sure we put him on people he can go under on. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Right. And, that and that's not always going to be possible, but. Yeah, but it, to me, it goes back to what you were talking about with Mitchell. He's missed a few rotations. He's missed a few ball screen actions himself, but several of his came off of Roach breakdowns or yeah. Roach kind of getting sealed off and Mark not making the ro- rotation. Now, Mark, we need Mark to make that rotation, but we also kind of need our captain not to put mm-hmm. us in those positions constantly. Um, so that's something that, you know, I'll continue to kind of keep a lookout for him. And again, it's not trying to rag on him, but the standard and expectations a little bit higher, right? It's why you come to Duke. It's why you're the captain. Um, I think he's played fine. I don't think he's quite played to maybe the level I had thought he would coming in, you know, I mean, and maybe that was just unfair to me. But based on that tournament, I kind of had sophomore or junior Nolan Smith jumps. You mentioned that kind of earlier, maybe not quite that. No one was awesome as a junior. Um, but I was thinking a little bit kind of closer to that than just sophomore Roach again. Right. So um, again, I was, I was hoping games. for like, you know, 
12 to 14 points and five assists on good shooting percentages. And so far, what has it been more like eight points on bad shooting? Yeah, kind of so, eight to 10, eight to 12 on bad shooting. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like one thing to keep in mind, though, is that in both his freshman season and his sophomore season, he got way better in February and March. And yeah, last yeah. year, of course, going into April. But of course, the year before that, we didn't have an April. But yeah, just I wonder if that's something we'll see again where he just kind of puts it all together towards the end of the season. Yeah, and hopefully so, right? Let's play our best ball when it counts. And at least this time, he's not really having to look over his shoulder. The role is going to be pretty consistent for him. It's going to be pretty steady, at least the opportunity. Um, and so hopefully we'll, you know, we'll see a little bit more out of Jeremy. But. And I don't know if we've actually said it on the podcast. I know we've said it privately, but, um, you know, we're going to, we're not trying to bag on any of these guys. We just want to, you know, call it like we see it, um, game by game. But, uh, I am, um, thankful that Jeremy came back because he didn't have to come back. You know, we could have, sure. we could have had this team that didn't return to anybody. So, um, for him to, you know, to sign up for, for Shire's first year, um, I, I'm glad it, we, at least we have them, um, whether it be good or bad games, but just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. I mean, it's not trying to, to rag on him too much. I right, think it yeah. would be a disservice if we didn't though a little bit, right? Like that's, you know, it, it's accountability, you to do well, right? right? Yeah. We want yeah. you to do well. We, I think that you're, are, are better than what you're playing at so far and you're playing at a fine, okay level, right? Yeah. But we just think you're better than that. So yeah. hopefully you do too. But let's talk about the PK 85 and then we'll get out of here. So. Thanksgiving tournament coming up, um, the Phil Knight. There's two different brackets. Carolina's in one, we're in the other. Um, and so on Thursday, we fly out to, well, we might fly out to Portland probably today or tomorrow, but we've already went. Yeah. So we're already out there. Yeah. Yeah. So Thursday, it's a noon tip off. We got Oregon State. Oregon State's not very good. They're three and one. They haven't really played anyone. Um, you know, so that that should be a game where Duke is expected to cover and and win at a pretty big margin. So hopefully that's what we're going to see. I'm going to go ahead and assume that's what's going to happen, and we'll, we'll project out a little bit here. So if we beat Oregon State Thursday, Friday, we get to play the winner of Xavier, Florida. Both of those, to me, are going to be good games to watch. Both of these teams are top 36 in Ken Palm. Um, Xavier, kind of the the slightly better team here. But I think both of them will provide a challenge, will provide something that we haven't seen outside of Kansas in terms of like the competition level. And then if we're fortunate enough to win that, um, we'll go on to play the winner of Gonzaga or Purdue West Virginia will play. And the winner of that game will play Gonzaga. And then we would play the winner of that game on Sunday. Um, So a lot of people are projecting, you know, Gonzaga to be there. I don't think it's that much of a shoe in all three of those teams are top 40 Ken Palm teams. I think it could easily be Purdue. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it was West Virginia. And so that's kind of what we're looking at there. Purdue still has Zach Eady, right? The, the, the big guy. Yeah, I think sure. that, yeah, I think he's still there. Um, and so, you know, that's really exciting for us because we could have potentially two games and two or th- two games in three days. I think they have Saturday off. So two mm-hmm. games in three days against um, top 40 teams and potentially against the top five team. If we're playing Gonzaga, that would be another great, a great challenge there. I would love to see that. Um, so we're not going to go into too much of a preview of each of these teams because we don't even know who we're playing and who we're going to win. But what I would do, what I would did want to do is just kind of toss it around a little bit. What are y'all's kind of predictions for this? What are you looking for? Do you think Duke's going to come home winning this thing? Shoe, I'll go to you first. 
Um, I mean, I think we're going to, I mean, I, I said it in the, I think the season preview pod, I want to see us play Xavier. I think Xavier, whenever I see them play, I always think of like a tough blue collar team. Um, and, and they've got, uh, Sean Miller back as the coach again. Uh, so they'll be well coached for what you want to call Sean Miller a coach. Uh, I think it'll be a tough, like knockout drag out game, um, which will make us better, you know, for, for ACC play. I'd like to see us play Gonzaga again. Um, I was in Vegas last year when we took them down to the wire. Roach came up big at the end of that game last year. Uh, and so, you know, just try to do it again. All right. So you got Duke playing Gonzaga, it sounds like, and a little bit of a toss up, but it sounds like you're taking Duke. I'm not going to make the prediction. Yeah. But okay. Okay. I'll just say that I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to see us do it again. Okay. Roll, what about you? Are you on the fence too, or you got daggers? Yeah, so I'm thinking that Gonzaga is not going to make the final. I've watched them a little bit this year, and I haven't been overly impressed with what I've seen. Um, I think that their teams on their side of the bracket are fully capable of beating them. I think Duke does make the final. And I think my prediction here is going to be that Duke loses, and I'm not predicting to who we lose. Because... I just feel like we're not quite at that highest level yet. Yeah. And whoever we're playing, whether it's Gonzaga, West Virginia, whoever, I just don't see us beating them. I do think we roll over Oregon State, and I think we beat Xavier probably um, in a pretty close game, like maybe a seven-point win. And I think that's going to be a physical, ugly game, like she was yeah. saying. I mean, the Oregon State game, we're favored by 20. Um Oregon State went three and twenty-eight last year. I don't know if you knew that. Yikes! The, that solid. was following. <laughs> I guess they had a coaching change because of the uh, Kenny Payne. Co- Kenny Payne coached them last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> no, they were twenty and thirteen the year before. So a really respectable team. Then they go three and twenty-eight. Oof! This year they've already got as many wins as the previous season, so they look to be improved. Um, However, you know, we're favored by 20 for a reason. But yeah, I think that the Xavier game, I think uh, a few pods ago, John Watson compared it to the Auburn game. Yeah, uh, the going Maui, into play. The Maui yeah, Auburn. Exactly. Yep. That was the Marcus I can see Bolton a very similar thing. Yeah. Ugly, game. ugly game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully there's a bold then to save us this time too. Reeves? No, yeah, I'm just right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know who it would be. Um, <laughs> I, I did want to say it's a big game or something. Yeah, I did want to. Say, I'm I'm not like overly impressed with Gonzaga by any means. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, um, but it is in in kind of uh, it's not their backyard. It's not Washington, yeah, but it's close. You know, so they're yeah. gonna have and they travel. Um, obnoxious fans that travel, but they'll be there. Yeah, I mean yeah. Duke tends tends to do fairly well in that area too. So we'll see, but um. I, for some reason, I just feel that everybody's anticipating Duke and Zaga, and I don't think that's what the final ends up being. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So, a little bit of a, some different takes. Sounds like y'all think we're going to advance, but uh, may or may not come out with it. You know, I'm pretty bullish on this bracket. I'm pretty bullish on how we match up against these teams. I do think that Xavier could be the toughest matchup for us mm-hmm. against these. Um, but I'm, I think we roll, you know, I think we go out there. I think we win this thing. Um, I, I really don't 
think it matters who we play on the bottom part of the bracket by the time we get there. I'd love to play Gonzaga because I think it would be the opportunity for the best win. Not impressed with their backcourt. Um, I really kind of am super intrigued with a flip Timmy matchup and having him kind oh, of yeah. guard out. I'm in glad space. you mentioned that. Yeah. I would, I would He's love He's the perfect that. defender for Timmy. Yep. And the perfect guy to to make Timmy defend oh, too, yeah. right? On both ends. And so I think Filipowski has a big, big kind of moment nationally in that kind of matchup. Um, I think our guards can really kind of expose Gonzaga a little bit. I think Roach and Proctor, especially Roach, that's a game where he can just get in the lane, get to the line, get to the rim. Um, so maybe I'm being a little bit too bullish, but I, I really think that one, I think Shire is going to look at this and coming really prepared. I think we're looking for a statement, a quality win. We haven't gotten one of those yet. It's our second opportunity to get a few. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to go out there and handle business to be honest with you. I think, you know, we, we won the last time, uh, in the PK 80, right? I believe we won our bracket. Michigan that State won the other side. They beat Carolina. We beat who did we beat? That would have been like 2017, 20. Um, so we would have played. Let's oh, was see. that the was that the 2018 team? Is that what you're saying? The 2018 like was, team. Yeah, yeah, Bagley. Bagley was the MVP. Yeah, so that was that was the tournament. We I think we came from behind in like every game. Yeah, that Florida game was really intense. Yeah. I remember that. Um, Texas, too. Both of those, we came down. Gary Trent was was really big. I remember yeah. that. Um, I feel like we were down 10 in multiple games in that, uh, but ended up winning it. Yeah. Yeah, we, did. we beat Florida by We three. beat Florida, yeah. Yeah, um, who had taken out Gonzaga before that. So, yeah, so yeah you know, I think uh, I think we're going to win again. Um, I really like some of the matchups. I like the opportunity that we have. As long as we get past Oregon State, I really would like to make the finals. But, you know, Xavier and Florida are both good teams. Um, I think it's a chance to really kind of feel out this Duke team a little bit, where we stack. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great great kind of holiday tournament and yeah man i think we're gonna Peace win week. so yeah this is like probably one of my favorite weeks love of this time yeah yeah love feast, this time of the feast, year. Feast, feast, um, feast, feast, feast. and it's just a lot of content right it's a lot of yeah. games a lot of people are kind of traveling or you're off work for a few days what better way than to catch hopefully three three good games from duke um yeah getting but, to watch them alive will be nice because you know i work so often between that kind of six to eight PM range, Me so too, I'm not yeah. Yeah, getting to watch a lot of these live games. So this will be really cool. Yeah. I think we're playing Thursday. So we're playing Thursday at three. Win that. Play Friday at three. Yeah. Well, all of these are. They. I think I said noon. They're all noon tips, but that's noon. That's noon. Yeah. West time. Um, yeah. So yeah. Three. That's noon out there. So yeah. yeah. Three. Three our time. Um, three our time. Thursday, Friday, and, and Sunday. Sunday. They're all Saturday. Yeah. 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 That's right. So, um, and I think one or two of those might be a twelve thirty tips out there. So maybe three thirty, you know, but somewhere around there. Um, Just make it to the champ game and give me a reason to not watch the Panthers be a utter disgrace again this weekend. Oh, there you go. How about that? Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and, and kind of get out of here. Um, hopefully, we'll probably come back after that Sunday game. Try to get something out to you all first of the week. Hopefully, it's another kind of exciting podcast. We could talk about some big wins. Um, hopefully we get to talk about some tournament MVPs and just where we see the team, uh, could be a, could be a pretty good, pretty good one after that. So, especially if we have the opportunity to get two big wins, um, that'd be huge. We, we really need that for seeding. Obviously we play a lot of conference games now, so there's not as much opportunity. So hopefully we got there, take care of business in Portland. Um, 
I guess uh, in the meantime, you know, email us at devilsdenpod at gmail.com. Um, check us out on the boards, thedevilsden.com. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, I know you're going to be, uh, the trip to fans going to be trickling in, but keep those faces strong in the bird. Go do it.